Totally football show. Today, League Cup, we ask, was Alexis voting leave? Alexit, if you will. The real reason for Arsenal's sudden boom. Of course, team getting much better after a big name joins rival. Happens all the time in podcasting. While the Gunners join Man City in the Carabao Cup final, we'll look back on the midweek action and the other news like bottom side Swansea beating the side that just beat the top side. There's also the latest transfer news. Man City's new record signing, Amaric Laporte. Julian Aron will tell us whether Amaric can hustle. Leeds and their new badge tribute to someone from First Order with indigestion. Phil Neville is something for the ladies. Nations League plus from Hewish Park to Huddersfield. We look forward to a magical weekend in the company of the FA Cup. It's the Totally Football Show. Hey everybody. Hello listeners. We've got an awful lot to talk about today. And an awful lot to talk about it with... Hey, Julien Laurent. Bonjour. Bonjour. Yes. Uh, James Horncastle. Hello, James. And you'll see Michael Cox. Hi, James. Where do you want to start, Michael? Is it with the League Cup semi-finals? Yeah, why not? Yeah. All right, then I've got Arsenal here. A 2-1 win over Chelsea. Eden Hazard putting the Blues ahead. And then that bizarre three-head hitting equaliser before Granit Xhaka with the definitive scoring strike. Were Arsenal, Michael, I ask you, good or lucky? Both. I think they were good and lucky in different respects. I think they were good defensively after a very poor start. It was an interesting game because this Arsenal-Chelsea mini-series, if you like, has always really been about how Arsenal cope with this Chelsea system. And they really struggled at the start with the four-man defence. They found Iwobi really being dragged back on the left. And at half-time, they changed things. They put El Elneny into more of a defensive role, which he's played in pre-season. He played in the Europa League a little bit. And that change of shape, which is something that Wenger doesn't really do much, mm-hmm. I thought really just meant Chelsea didn't have any threat for the rest of the game. Arsenal weren't so troubled by the wing-backs. I think... So what, did, what did exactly did Wenger do to respond to the Hazard? Hazard? I don't think it was Hazard so much. I think it was the wing-backs in, in the first part of the game that they couldn't deal with. Basically, if you're playing a four-man defence and Chelsea's wing-backs push forward, you're defending against five. It's a bit of an overload. And they, they switched that so that Elneny was pretty much the fifth defender and they didn't have so many problems. I think the caveat here is that they didn't really offer much going forward. I think Arsenal created one real chance, which was the Awobi chance uh, at a time when Chelsea were pushing men forward to get back into the game. So I think they sta- uh, stabilised the defence, but the goals really were lucky. I mean, the, the first goal was ludicrous. And the second one really was a fortunate deflection that Xhaka did very well to turn into the net. But I'd be a little bit concerned uh, with the lack of creativity from Arsenal. From think. Arsenal, really? Yeah. yeah. OK. It wasn't think? much better from Chelsea, though, was it, really, in terms of creativity? Because even though they had that really good sort of first 25, 30 minutes, which they looked like they were going to build on that performance that they put in against Brighton, once Willian went off... They didn't really seem to have anything. They only had two shots on target. One was the goal. The other was after Arsenal's second goal. So right at towards the end of the game. So again, sort of you know worrying uh, for for Conte, who again after the game was complaining that uh, his squad just doesn't have the depth. Once Willian went off, you know there was only Ross Barkley on the bench, mm. who obviously is coming back from a yeah, pretty serious uh, muscle injury and. Uh, you know, whilst that game was on, Roma were playing Sampdoria. Monchi, the sporting director, comes on before the game and says that so far the offer that they received for Evan Dzeko, yeah, it's it's interesting how that situation seems to be changing at the same time as well. Has that still not been confirmed? I it's thought not, it was overnight. Given that what Monchi said before that game, mm. um, which seemed to indicate that there was still some negotiating to, to be done, that maybe it was just a, a ploy from Monchi because he wants 
more money for Jekko. Also, I think what you have to factor in here is Jekko, who has completely been blindsided by this. You know, he uh, bought a house in Rome in the summer, has really settled there, he's got two young kids, uh, saw himself for the foreseeable future being there, and instead all, overnight has basically been said, yeah, by the way, we've got this offer in and we're thinking about accepting it. Well, he played Wednesday night and scored for Roma in yeah. a 1-1 draw away at Sampdoria. As far as I know, I think the clubs have agreed terms, but he hasn't mm. with Chelsea yet. Andrew asking, is there any particular reason why Conte has struggled so much against Wenger? Because he does seem to have a little bit of the edge on him, doesn't he, Michael? Yeah, it's been a, a funny one. I, I'm not quite sure why, but it does seem to bring out the best in Wenger in a tactical sense. I mm. thought that FA Cup final last year was one of the most controlled and impressive displays tactically I've ever seen from Arsenal, especially because they had their entire uh, defence out. And uh, Conte didn't really seem capable of changing things yesterday after, after Wenger's half-time switch. Um, I was a little bit surprised he brought uh, Pedro off. I think sometimes he's been a bit more attacking. He's put Pedro to wing-back and Chelsea have come back into games well. But yeah, Chelsea didn't really offer anything last night. It was just a couple of long-range Alonso shots in the last 20 minutes that were well off target. Um, it was a bit concerning from Chelsea. Yeah. Right. But but a fine win for us. I feel we've been a little bit down on them. How impressed were you? And, and, and how much stock do you put in this whole Sanchez bouncing, which certainly Arsene Wenger was referencing afterwards when he, he talked about the team having more clarity now, more focus on the game? Yeah, no, I think, you know, we, we, we talked about Alexis before and, mm. and maybe the issues that there were in the dressing room in regards to him and his attitude and, and things like that. And uh, for sure, him leaving, I think, has has changed something in their dressing room. The problem that Arsenal had a lot before with Alexis, and it's a, it's a problem that teams have when they have one superstar player, is that everything when they had the ball had to go through Alexis. But, but Alexis is not that kind of player. So every time he was receiving the ball, he would either dribble sideways, which he did a lot, but also scoring goals and being creative at times. But without him, it's far more fluid. And I think that this is the one thing that Arsenal... We, 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 are going to get from leaving him or him leaving, sorry, and getting someone like Mkhitaryan who is a much better Arsenal player than Alexis ever was in terms of movement, in terms of fluidity, in terms of what he does with the ball. Mm. So on that level, I think you could see already that without Alexis and the sort of shackles that Alexis was bringing to that team because every time someone was on the ball, the first thing they were looking for was, where's Alexis? I need to pass the ball to Alexis. It's, that's going to be different. And I think maybe yesterday, the lack of creativity a bit, I don't know, I mean, Ozil started really wide on that right-hand side in the sort of 4 3, three formation. Then he had a bit more freedom in the second half, like Michael said, when they went, when Elneny went the sort of three at the back. But I think it's, it's key for Arsenal to create chances and have Ozil in, in, in the, the areas where he can create something. It's hard for him to create something on the right-hand side, for example. So, you know, that's something else that Wenger will have to find the right... Um, uh, judgment. Where are we at with the uh, move for Pierre Omoric Aubameyang? I think it, they're still on talks are still ongoing, very much. So the the first offer was too low. It's a bit like the Chelsea Jaco Roma thing. Uh, the fifty million Arsenal offered was fifty, was is it fifty five zero million euros? Was too oh, low. Okay. They want seventy million euros. Oh. You could think that maybe at sixty they could do a deal, but then there's the Olivier Giroud. Uh, question mark because they want him on loan would he want to go would Arsenal let him go oh, I think Dortmund want Giroud yeah. on loan do they? so I think yeah. Arsenal would let him go I yeah. think he needs to play because he, if he wants to go to the World Cup he just can't be a number three choice for Arsenal because that means he will never he will never play for Arsenal if he stays and Obama Young arrives right so it'd be interesting to see what we've he does. got what six days and six yeah. hours or something till the end of the January transfer window is this going to happen I think so you think Obama Young so. will be an Arsenal player yeah 
by February. And Olivier Giroud, a Dortmund player. Why don't they send Lacazette to Dortmund? I don't think they want to, and I don't no. think he wants to either. Okay. But it's funny that you spend so much money on Lacazette and mm. six months later on Aubameyang, and then you'll have Mkhitaryan and Ozil as well mm. to play with Lacazette and Aubameyang somewhere. So... I think you're being uh, charitable on Lacazette's chances of staying in the first team. If they, play, if, play for a, if they play a front three, you've got to play Ozil. Mm. And presumably you're going to play Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan because you've just brought them in. And mm. Lacazette, I think he started well. I've been quite disappointed by him the last couple of months. I think his movement's been quite poor. I think he's still a good player, but he could maybe do with a bit of a break. He looks a bit, a little bit like Lukaku and Murata. Just looks a bit jaded, maybe could do with a bit of a break. Mm. All right. Uh, Arsenal, anyway, into their League Cup final at Wembley. I think I'm right in saying Sasha Gurionov was responding to a tweet about this this, this morning. They've been there nine times in, in the last four years yeah. and they've won all nine. Is that right, Julian? Yes. The semi-final of the, the three FA Cup they won plus the final they won and then the community shield That's as quite well a remarkable record. Of course, they've incredible. got to go to Wembley before the Man City League Cup final and that's to play Spurs on the 10th of February and my, won't that be a big game? Yeah. Anyway, before any of that, uh, they're going to go and lose to Swansea next week in the Premier League. That's on Tuesday. <laughs> Swansea are now back, of course. We'll have a little thing and talk about that. Listeners, our partnership with Paddy Power helps to keep this podcast free. And speaking of free, when you join Paddy's Rewards Club, every time you place five bets of £10 or more on any sport in a single week, Paddy will give you a free £10 bet the following week. Sign up now at paddypower.com. T's and C's apply. Max £10 bonus per person per week. Specific odds required. Exclude shops and cashed out bets. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Monday night. How football was this? Liverpool beating the top side previously, ending Man City's unbeaten run, and then going loose to the bottom side and see their own unbeaten run ended. But Swansea have been showing signs of this, haven't they? With just one defeat in six matches under their new Portuguese manager. Yeah, he seems to have um, got them better organised in a defensive sense, which, to be fair, wasn't a massive problem for a lot of the, the time under Paul Clement, but the last few weeks of his tenure, they were looking quite scrappy. It was interesting, actually, Carver, how after the game, he gave a very thorough explanation of the way that they played in terms of sitting deep, um, transferring the ball through the Liverpool press and then playing out wide where he thought they were a little bit vulnerable to counter-attacks. He also gave quite a nice metaphor, I'm not sure whether you saw this, of yeah. uh, saying Liverpool were a Formula One car. They're but, like a Formula One car, yeah. but at 4pm in London, it will be difficult to speed. They would be a car like any other. We needed to make sure there was traffic. We could not let them have open roads to drive in. He followed that Did up, you- I think, the next day by saying... Um, we are still in hospital, but now we can receive visitors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did, you see, did you see what he said about the transfer windows the week no. before as well? Uh, someone asked him, you know, in terms of transfers, and he says, the boat is on the sea. <laughs> <laughs> so people were a bit, and then he goes, you if know. If only they'd signed Laporte, that would be brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And then he says, you know, we've put the, the hooks. He couldn't find the word for hooks as well. Okay. For fishing. So he yes. said, we've put the, uh, what's the name? So the guy said, the hook. So yeah, we've put the, the hook in the, uh, in the sea. Right. And now we're waiting. So someone had asked him another question. He said, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not on the boat. I, I'm on the beach. <laughs> waiting to see what the catch is. So, no, but I think yeah. maybe maybe meant that he was not involved at all in the transfer dealings right. that Swansea are doing. Said, I but think he we're going to loves... need a bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> he clearly loves those. He's brilliant, uh, though. I, I, think mean, I like him a yeah. lot. There was the one with the banknote earlier when he was at uh, Shepherd ah, Wednesday. Do you right, remember yeah. that? where he, he was asked how his team would respond after a defeat or something along those lines. He took a £20 note out of his wallet 
and basically kind of pretended to tear it up and banged it and screwed it up and then took it apart again and said, look, it's still a £20 note, <laughs> which was the metaphor for how they were going to recover. That's brilliant. It's a magician, essentially. Yeah. yeah. All right, there's three points from safety now, Swansea, but there's the basis. As you say, the big issue of conceding loads of goals does seem to have been resolved. Well, it was only, to be fair, it was only in the last few weeks under Clement they conceded a lot of goals. The early part, they did have a, a good defensive record. And to be fair, a little bit like what I said about Arsenal earlier... Tactically, they're very good defensively, but they didn't offer anything going forward. They had one half chance that happened to go in. So I'm not completely convinced he solved their problems, which right. is not scoring enough goals. Also, just like Arsenal, yeah. is it coincidence that this upturn has come since they've taken Sanchez out of the team? Renato Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, well, he's not, Possibly. he's not playing very well, is he? But mm. uh, to, to look at it from a Liverpool perspective, it's just so predictable Liverpool. You know, they were so good in that City game when it was a good open game, when they could press, when they could break in behind. They were genuinely outstanding in that game. And then they come up against a team who plays deep and they just don't have the tools to break them down. But is Right, OK, they don't have the tools. So is this the kind of game where you miss Coutinho? Against Man City, they're going to give you lots of space because they're playing their own game. But when you have a team that packs the defence, that puts, what, 10-11 behind the ball, that's when you need... Someone who can score from outside the box. (laughs) (laughs) To to a certain extent, but this was a problem they had under Coutinho as well. And I I never thought he was particularly effective at kind of prizing open those deep defences. Personally, what I think that they need more um, is a kind of plan B as a forward. You know, Firmino was a little bit unlucky with that late-headed chance. And he is getting more of those poachers' goals. But you look at someone like Giroud at Arsenal... He's just been the perfect plan B over the last two years. And people spent 10 or 15 years saying Arsenal, when they're up against the park defence, they don't have the plan B. And now they do. And I think Liverpool really lack that. You know, Sturridge isn't really that kind of player. Mm. Um, So, you know, with Chelsea trying to get a player in that mould, I honestly think Chelsea would prosper really well with Giroud up front. I think he's fantastic. He's, he's, He's good in the air, but he's also good at feeding players as well. He's the perfect kind of hybrid, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's quite interesting because I think Chelsea are the team that put the most crosses in the box in the league. Obviously, we've seen Morata do very well in the air, much better than on the ground. Um, but you look at some of the players, well, the one that they're you know, most advanced negotiations with at the moment, Dzeko, he doesn't score headers. Doesn't he? I mean, for, for a big guy, he's someone who likes it to feet, likes to bring others into play, is good technically for someone of his size. He's not a good header of the ball. Hardly ever scores headers. OK. Uh, Virgil van Dijk, not the best. Of, was that, that was his first league start, right? Uh, he looked a little bit nervous, but I thought he looked a little bit shaky in the um, the FA Cup game against Everton where he scored the headed winner. Mm. But I thought, I mean, it's natural. He hasn't played much for the best part of a year. But, uh, you know, it does take time to bed in to a, a defence, especially if you're kind of the centre-back and, and everyone's expecting you to solve the problems. Sure. FA Cup for both these sides this weekend. Swansea going to be at Notts County. That's a tough... I, I think that could be an upset on the cards, though, actually. Right. Kevin Nolan's Notts County are currently second in League Two, but have lost their last two league games at home. How about that? Liverpool, meanwhile, are taking on West Brom, who they faced in the league last month, and it was 0-0. And Johnny Evans is a doubt, because also he might be leaving. Where's he going to go now? Not presumably Man City, if, if they're buying Laporte. Is he going to Arsenal? Is yeah. it Arsenal? Yeah, it's well possible. What do you think about that, Michael? Because somebody was asking on Twitter. Yeah, I, I think he's a really good centre-back. I'm surprised he's been at West Brom. No offence to West Brom. And I think Arsenal do need another, another body in there. Um, I'm not sure if no offence to West Brom covers that. Well, I think... <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. I think, one, I think he's a, a better player than being in a relegation fight. Uh-huh. And two, I didn't think he was really a classic Tony Pulis centre-back. Right. But he's a good player. I think Arsenal's problem, actually, 
I'm sorry to say this because I've been a big fan of him over the years, but Koscielny. Mm. No, no. He, I'm not sure no. he's got the mobility. I thought he really struggled the first 10 minutes yesterday. And, uh, he's not he's, been having he's, a good season. He's had know. some injury no, problems. No. He, he's, he's a funny centre-back. He's so much about mobility and acceleration and turning and twisting. And I think they're going to at least have to manage his games, if not look to another option, I think. Yeah, fitness has been a problem. He's never really been 100% this season. He's played... Not being hundred percent, I know that happens with a lot of players, but mm. you know it's not it's not ideal. And he's he's thirty one. He turns thirty one in September. Michael's calling Notts County for the win over Swansea, but what about Liverpool West Brom? Of course, Alan Pardew, he loves an FA Cup run. <laughs> yeah, will he be doing his little dance on the sidelines at Anfield? But uh, please no. Look, Liverpool are unbeaten nineteen games uh, at home, so oh, okay. I would still say Liverpool can do this. All right then. Okay, we'll talk more about the FA Cup later on. After this, though. I want to talk about the Lionesses. Tweet us at The Totally Football Show and find us on Facebook, also at The Totally Football Show. Big story in football land this week. Phil Neville appointed manager of the Lionesses, England's highly successful women's football team, despite the fact that he never applied, has never managed, and his relevant experience of a women's game amounts to basically following some of them, as of last week, on the Twitter Exactly the sort of appointment that you wouldn't expect after all that Mark Sampson business. Well, Carrie Dunn is a writer and uh, seasoned observer of the women's game and author, of course, of Lionesses Raw. So obviously we didn't ask her. Instead, we've got a man who since last week has been following some of them <laughs> on Twitter. And apparently we have got Carrie Dunn. Carrie, is that you? It is me, yes. Excellent. Excellent. All right, so... As I say, is this exactly the sort of appointment you would not have imagined the FA making after all that mess with the last one? I'm actually not that surprised. Um, the safe pair of hands would have seemed to have been Mo Marley, who took over in the interim. Um, the FA now say that she wasn't interested in taking over full time. They had a short list of, of, I believe, four candidates, all of whom ruled themselves out at some point over the past couple of months. And as I understand it, um, uh, somebody in the media suggested as a joke that Phil Neville might be a good candidate and the FA took it forward from there. So, yeah, I mean, the ongoing farce of uh, the England managerial roundabout continues. Well, I guess that's one of the key questions. A lot of people saying Phil deserves a chance. There have been plenty of other managers who've started at the top and, and done really well. I, I guess you could make a sort of a case for Pep Guardiola being being one of them. But how how true is it that there weren't other options? Was it genuinely a kind of Mark Hughes scenario that who else is there for this job? I mean, I think there were plenty of candidates who would have been interested had they known that the uh, criteria the FA had originally set out wasn't actually being stuck to. So the FA advertised a couple of weeks ago for an assistant to the senior team. And the assistant has to be an experienced elite coach of women's football with experience of international level. And these were the criteria originally set out for the national, um, for, for, the, for the manager's role. And so now obviously Phil Neville has that job. He doesn't have that experience. So now the assistant has to have it instead. So as I understand it, there are some disgruntled candidates within the game who are thinking, well, had we known that it wasn't actually compulsory to have uh, these skills and abilities, then we might have applied for it. And they've got the background in the women's game. They would know more about the international level uh, competition as well. So, yes, it's quite an interesting development. Mm. There are various uh, concerns that people have. They include some tweets that Phil made uh, some years ago 
and, and also some that more recent, generally of a kind of disparaging nature about a women's role and, and, and one very unfortunate bit of uh, what I imagine would be termed banter. But in terms of the overall message, though, to the women's game, do you think that where, where do you stand? Do you think he deserves a chance, or are you with the Women's Sport Trust when they say that this essentially undermines the coaching pathway for women? I mean, I do think that there is an issue with the coaching pathway for women. We, we see that, you know, look at the Women's Super League. We've still got um, the coach coaches there, still mostly male. We've got very successful female coaches in Emma Hayes and uh, Kelly Simmons and obviously Hope Powell's back with uh, with Brighton. And, yeah, I mean, I would like to see a, a woman managing the, the England women's side. I do agree that obviously the best person for the job should also you know be, be given the job. But I don't think Phil Neville is necessarily that person. Yeah, it's not Having just the fact that, that he's a male candidate. It's the fact that he's a candidate without experience in the women's game, managerial experience, uh, or, or pretty much anything else that you'd imagine that you'd need for a job like this. Exactly. I mean, the the of the of the quartet of names that were originally linked to the job, um, John Herdman and Nick Cushing. So John Herdman was the very successful manager of Canada's women for a time. He's now moved over to manage manage the uh, Canada men's side. Nick Cushing at Manchester City. Obviously, you know, if they'd got the job, you know, there's a reason for that. You know, they've got the experience in the women's game as well. I mean, I hope that Phil Neville does do well. He's got a fantastic squad, but I just. I do feel a little bit twitchy about the fact that you've got people saying, oh, it's a great coup for the women's game. Who's saying that? Um, Jim White said it on Sky Sports News. I don't think that's a particularly widely held view, but um, interesting, interesting all, all the same. Carrie, when will Phil's first game be with uh, the Lionesses? So it'll be at the start of March in the She Believes tournament out in the US. Uh, so it's a four-way tournament with America, France and Germany. Hmm. Will you be heading off to that, Carrie? Um, I hope so. So, uh, yes, let's see what happens. Here's another game we could chat about. Cardiff-Man City. Because Man City had a little bit of a scare not too far away from Cardiff on the other side of the Seven estuary. On Tuesday, in their Carabao Cup semi-final, where there was that kind of rousing finale with uh, Bristol pulling it back to 2-2 on the night and they were a game, a goal rather, away from putting it into extra time. Remarkable stuff there from the Robins. Yeah, they did really well again um, against an even stronger City side than they played in the first leg uh, with the exception of Claudio Bravo who continues to look quite incompetent it must be said in goal. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to see, sorry this is slightly off the uh-huh. topic but I'd be interested to see in the final whether Arsenal and City play Ospina and Bravo because they look so much worse than their number ones. It's mm. a big game I understand you wanting to give your keepers a your reserve keepers a run out but it's a big game a, a cup final. But yes Bristol City were excellent they pressed well again um, and the goals they conceded really were a little bit unfortunate or when they left themselves exposed having tried to get back into the tie so yeah it was a good performance from them and I imagine that um, uh, Lee Johnson will be saying to his players if you can play like that against City mm. you know considering some of the Premier League teams have been thrashed then you know make sure you're, you're playing Premier League teams next season because you can give it a real go Right absolutely their, their form hasn't been the best since the turn of the year but that might well be because of all this League Cup semi-final business that was occupying their minds Anyway this weekend for Man City on Sunday it is the trip uh, to Cardiff Warnock v Pep at last Julian, can can Cardiff do it? Can they end Pep's dreams of a of a, of a quadruple? Yeah, of course they can. Of yeah? course they can. Yeah, I think. Tell us why. Because they've been really good at home in uh, 
in in the championship this season. They've been really good in the championship full stop this mm -hmm. season, which is what Warnock does. You know, he gets team promoted and no one really expected them to be to be playing that to, to you know, not that they're playing super football, but to be doing that well. Uh, even if they not always play well with the, you know with the squad they have and uh, and they they're doing well. I Again, it will all down to be it would be all down a lot down to the atmosphere there in Cardiff, which you you can expect a very hostile atmosphere for for City. The players will be well up for it, and that's that's a typical cup tie where Cardiff are going to go for every ball, every challenge. It's going to be relentless. They're going to you know put all the pressure on the the guy who carries the ball, and then if City can respond to that sort of intensity and, and aggression, then then I think they're easy win. The problem is if they start being on the back foot a bit and not really respond well to the that sort of intensity that Cardiff would put in the challenges, for example, then they might struggle a bit. But in terms of talent, obviously there's no there's no match. But I, I think if Cardiff, you know, put that on the uh, a very intense, hostile game, then you know, Warnock against Guardiola. Mm. It's gonna yeah. be big. City lost there in the Premier League uh, during Cardiff's one season up, oh. which was a surprise because Cardiff didn't beat many teams. That's true. Cardiff have signed the Serbian Marko Gric. Is that how I sound that? From yeah. Liverpool. Mm -hmm. Apparently he has to play at least 14 games this season, otherwise they will be financially punished by Liverpool. That's according to Neil Warnock. There's a lot of clauses like that now in, in deals for young players especially uh -huh. because you send them on loan for them to get experience and yeah. play. But a lot, a lot of the time we've seen loans where... They've hardly played, so I can see why Liverpool said okay because there was a few clubs interested in him as well. He's a he's a very talented, promising you know young midfielder. Okay. So he said okay, you can have him, but we need to be sure that you know you play him, otherwise you know you can go to another club. Absolutely. So. Well, while Cardiff uh, welcome him for City, the big signing is Emerick Laporte. He's 23 years old and he's cost them 57 million. Is that a record, James Horncastle? Well, no, we've already seen that record be broken this window by Virgil van Dijk. Right. It's a record for City, though. A record for City. OK. Stein says, what do you all think about the upcoming transfer of Laporte to City? Is he worth it? It's very interesting. He's very much a pep player. Yeah, first he's left-footed, which is really rare for centre-backs, and so what's rare is expensive, usually. Uh, and he's a very good technical player he, he carries the ball really well he's better at carrying the ball than passing the ball so you would see him more coming out with the ball from the back line into midfield for example which is what Pep wants right. more than just you know making a 70 yard uh, diagonal pass to De Bruyne or Sterling or someone like that but very gifted technically in that sense very Pep player and although he's quite tall I think he's 6 foot 2 mm -hmm. he's not the most athletic and the most uh, robust in terms of challenges and duels so it'll be interesting to see how he cope with that in certain games but in terms of the way City are playing he's, he's just perfect yeah. for the way they're playing see him and Stones to, right. yeah, two. would you have the two of them or well, just one kind of offer much the same look, as the other from? I imagine when you've spent 50 million on one and what 57 million on the other that you expect both of them to play right um yeah, as Jules was saying, Laporte is is a defender who defends on the front foot. Yeah, he 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 is one of those players who likes thinks more about starting attacks than breaking them up. And his debut was, was he got his debut from Marcelo Bielsa, who of course is when Pep started his coaching career. Well, he must be awfully young then. Yeah, he was. Well, I think yeah, it was. Game, yeah, I mean, been, we've been talking about this transfer for a long, long time. Yeah, he's we he's have? been well. Yeah, no, but he's been someone that. Yeah. Uh, 
City have been linked with uh, for, for, for years. It's more than that. In, in August 2016, City and Bilbao had an agreement. The release clause at the time was 50 million euros. Mm-hmm. And now they've paid 65 million euros. But he said no at the time. He didn't feel he was ready uh, to go to City back in 18 months ago. And clearly now he thinks that it's the right time. He also thinks that playing for Bilbao uh, was an issue for him for the national team, for France. And that if he was doing the same performances for a bigger club like City, let's say, mm-hmm. and in the Champions League, which, by the way, he can play because he only played in the Europa League so far, so he'd be eligible for the Champions League for City, then then maybe Deschamps will have a better look at him because right now, that's the interesting thing I was talking as well at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Deschamps doesn't really fancy him. So Pep clearly fancies him a lot. Deschamps doesn't. So it'd be interesting to see if he goes to the World Cup, for example. Or if he doesn't, but only one call-up so far for France uh, in his career, and that was only to replace people who were injured or suspended. But like you said, no cap, despite featuring a lot in the all all the youth teams since under fifteen, he's played for France every every team. All right, Man City, if they made this signing after not getting Alexis Sanchez, it's probably worked out better for them. Though is this Hmm. a player that they needed more than the the Chilean? I would agree. I I think they're shorter in that position than they are. Up front, mm. um, so yeah, I think it makes more sense than than going for Sanchez. I don't agree, actually. Ha! Ooh! Yeah, they got they got four centre back. I know they're not all top class, but they got Stones, Otamendi, Mangala, and company. I know the last two have their issues, right? But they've only really got four players for the for the front three positions. They've got Jesus, who's out injured. They have got Aguero. Sané and Sterling. I don't really like Bernardo Silva in the front three. I don't think he plays well there. That's but, I, I th- yeah, again, I don't. I think he's you know he's their best central midfielder, really. I think they want him there. Um, I, I do think they need another forward. Whether you know it's not going to be Sanchez, but I do think they will try and get someone else in. We'll talk more about the cup later on, but now a big announcement. Ireland. The number of live football shows taking place in the Irish capital is quite literally Dublin. <laughs> There only is one, though, that will feature myself, you, James Horncastle, ah, yes. and you, Julian Laurent. You know, you, you know, the other day I said to James, are you coming to Dublin with us? No. And he got really, he got really stressed out. No, I haven't been told anything. I said, right. I'm sure. No, 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 they haven't said anything. I said, I'm sure that you'll be fine. So now I can tell you now, knowing him like like a brother, like I know him, yeah. he's well relieving. He's not, not showing it too much, this but he's is well relieving. Because Michael's not coming. <laughs> so I'm Sorry. not very popular in Ireland anyway. Are you not? No, it's the accent. No. Okay. Well, the book selling in Ireland? Well, it's on sale. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, we're saving you for our next big one in London. Great. But can I tell you, drum roll-ish thing, please, that who will be joining us... Uh, see if you can guess. He's going to do an extra special hour-long DJ set beforehand. Can David you guess? Get, David Guetta? Actually, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't think of that. Yeah. We didn't um, think of that. That's for the Paris gig. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep him for Paris. Right. Only Pat Nevin. Pat Nevin's going to DJ Pat. and then join us on the panel. Wow. Wow. He's noted for his love of kind of Indian. Yeah, he does stuff. a lot of uh, indie club nights up in Shoreditch and places like that. You expect him afterwards to say, boys, just follow me and take us to an amazing place somewhere in Dublin that no one knows, like underground. Yeah, cut to March yeah. and what's actually yeah, happening yeah. with Sat Randa. But in terms of, <laughs> in terms of post, post-career stuff, yeah. it has to be one of the best. Who? Pat Nevin being a DJ, a oh, great yeah, DJ no, after definitely. a football player. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, Probably Lucas, George Ware's got him. Well, yeah, but it's yeah. still better than Lucas Podolski <laughs> opening a kebab shop in terms of post-career, you know, thing. Well, yeah. to his angels. Uh, anyway, if you want to be part of what promises to be an absolutely extraordinary night, 19th of March is the date that you need to circle in red 
or any other colour you choose in your diary, 19th of March at Vicar Street in Dublin. And you can actually get your tickets already at ticketmaster.ie. That's Totally Football Live in Dublin with Pat Nevin and other people, but Pat Nevin. OK, uh, right, <clears throat> Football League, big news this week. Chris Powell is back. Uh, Shall we hear what our friend and South End fanny and Macintosh had to say about it in this week's Totally Football League show, which you can download now? It's not just bringing back a former player. It's not just bringing back a manager who's excelled in this division before and at a higher level. It's also about having someone in charge of your club that you love, that you're proud of, that you feel can represent you and everyone like you. It's felt feeling that, that you're a part of this all together. And Chris Powell, for me and for many South End fans of my age, is a boyhood hero. And to have something like this happening... It's just, oh, happy day. Yep, more of that kind of thing available on the Football League show. You can also, if you wish, download Golazzo, which this week it features basically you, me and Gab Marcotti talking about Maldini and forgetting to discuss Dzeko and, and, and Emerson Palmieri. Ah, but we did that today. We saved it for today. Sounds like a great podcast. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. to be fair, it's <laughs> kind of amazing. There's a little bit of... Uh, uh, an 80s Italian music in it. Yeah, there was Lazio love, and as soon Lazio as we love. published it, they went and uh, scored three goals against Udinese. That. So that's so. now 13 goals in, in three games. Yeah, 56. For Here's the a question, actually. And where is that question? Without, without Chiro as well. Not Chiro. Sorry? No immobile, no immobile as well. Right, okay, absolutely. What is the immobile riddle, though? asks Box Armour. He scores shed loads in City, I didn't work anywhere else. And he also says, Wilshire to Juve. Is that a thing? Well, he's free, isn't he? So I, I, th- I, I think now, whenever someone's contract is winding down, they just say, well, you may love a freebie, don't they? Yeah. Right, OK. Um, what is the immobile riddle, then? Having a striker as your uh, coach. Simone ah. Inzaghi. Uh, I think uh, we touched upon this in Golata, but one of his real strengths is knowing how to put players uh, in the right condition to succeed. Um, yeah, yeah, Gab was saying, for example, that Milinkovic-Savic has a very unusual skill set. It's very difficult to find a position for him, but Inzaghi has, and he's done exactly the same with Immobile, which is uh, sort of just uh, not asking him to do too much, just concentrate on playing on the shoulder of the final defender and will basically put the ball in behind for you every time, and that's to his strengths. All right. Well, you can see... Well, you might not be able to see Immobile in action. I'm not sure if he's going to be back for the no. game this weekend. But uh, you can see Lazio, the Simone Inzaghi goal machine, uh, that's r- roaring up into the uh, top positions. Are, th- are they third now? They are. They yeah. are third. You can see them take on Milan on Sunday. Is it Sunday night, that game? I think, I mean, it should be. I it mean, should be Sunday uh, night. The... Have a look at local listings, uh, listeners, if you want to catch a bit of that Lazio-Milan. You know? It's worth it, it's worth it. Mm. Thanks. Or watch some French football after that amazing Lyon PSG game last weekend. What have you got this time, right? We've got a big Monaco, Marseille, Marseille, Monaco, actually. Ah. Yeah. And Monaco won 6 1 in the reverse fixture back in September. So Marseille, uh, we won their revenge. Right. Okay. Who's your money on? It's third against fourth. Third against fourth. Obviously, the, the, the fight for second with Lyon is huge yeah. because PSG are going to win the league. So it'd be very interesting. Marseille in top form, sorry. Uh-huh. Monaco, not so much. Uh, I would have to go for Marseille. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah and they're at home game. as well, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. It'd be a great game. Great. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain, meanwhile, are going to be taking on Montpellier. Will Neymar have some mysterious injury for that or will he turn up this time? Maybe. I'm, I'm trying to think what he hasn't come up with for an injury. So yeah, we had the toe, we had the ribs, we had the thigh, we mm. had the ankle. 
something with his shoulder, maybe his elbow or his finger. I don't know. Something. Really, is we it see. become a bit of an issue, Jules? Yeah, they're, the, they're what... saying that they they're wrapping him into a wall. Is that cotton what you said? Cotton yeah. wall, yeah, yeah, because of the World Cup, because uh-huh. of the Real Madrid game. That's the most important. But, but what are Paris Saint Germain fans saying about all this? Are they? Especially with the loss last weekend without him against mm. Lyon, are they are they a bit disgruntled at, at suggesting a lack of commitment or something? Yeah, I think some might be suspicious that that's the case. Some, I think, fear that he's clearly realised that Ligue 1 is not for him, that France is not for him, and that he would he would want to leave very soon. Um, some just think that he's he's the world's third best player, so mm. you should not take any risk and all precautions with him. So even if he has a little niggle, don't take him even to a game as big as the one in Lyon and just keep him for the big, big games like the Real Madrid one, Real for Madrid, yeah. So sort of like, uh, you know, um, make sure that he doesn't play too much before that or things like mm. that. I don't know. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It's like your best China. It you is. don't get it out for tea time on, on, on you know, on, on a school night. Yeah. That but the other thing, the yeah. other big narrative, obviously, that PSG Montpellier is Edison Cavani, who is just uh, level with... Zlatan Ibrahimovic as the, the club's all-time goal scorer, a top scorer. So one, one more goal and it would be above wow. Ibra. Although he's you know, taking more games, Ibra scored 156 in 180 and Cavani will be his 229th game and he's on 156 as well. But he's played a lot of the time when Ibra was there wide as well. So it'd be great for, I think, Cavani to, 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 to beat that record. Uh, you mentioned Real Madrid, who are PSG's opponents at a couple of weeks' time in the Champions League. Of course, midweek for them didn't go so well. Knocked out of the cup by little Leganes. Can can we have a can we have a collective laugh? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Julian. Real Madrid. No, because yeah. I'm still convinced they're gonna knock us but out Zidane, of the Champions League. Jules, but Zidane. He's from Marseille, so I don't Oh don't. No no no, it's sad, but for the first time in their history, yes. in their whole history and history of the Copa del Rey. Yes. Before, when they've won away, they've yeah. never lost. Then at home to get knocked out, and it was the first time yesterday. It right. is funny when those big spending clubs from foreign capitals lose, isn't it? I always really enjoy it. I know mm. you hate them and you hate PSG, but I guarantee you, I love and it was sarcastic. But Real Madrid are going to beat PSG in the Champions League. I'm telling you right now. Okay. Okay. What a story! Leganes coming up from the third division in the last what five years, getting into top flight and getting into a semi final, knocking out. Get knocking out yeah. uh, Real Madrid yeah. at the Bernabeu. And they're okay. doing well in La Liga, the 13th in La Liga as well. Are they? I mean, there's the point that Zidane surely underestimated them last night to put all those players, even leader at home or on the bench, and even the one on the bench come on so late mm. when you were clearly in trouble to be knocked out. It was, it was really strange from him. He might have his reasons, but it, it, was, it looked strange. Uh, also in Spain, Javier Mascherano saluting La Liga and heading off to China. After eight years at Barcelona, he's joining up with Manuel Pellegrini at Hebei, China. Did you know Manuel Pellegrini was in China? Uh, only once I read the news reports. Okay. It's slightly strange timing, I think, ahead of a World Cup. You think he'd? I know he wasn't playing much for Barcelona, but I'm not sure he'll be, you know, properly tested in China. Um, but yeah. he's been a fantastic player for Barcelona. I mean, we all thought it was a bit of a strange move when he he went there just after Spain had won the World Cup. We said, "How is he going to get into that midfield?" Obviously, played in defence. And with with a couple of notable exceptions, he's barely been caught out in terms of, you know, his height is an obvious issue for playing centre-back, but he's so good positionally. Very good tackler, which we don't really say much for centre-backs at clubs like Barcelona because they play so high at the pitch. Um, I've just really, really enjoyed watching him at Barcelona. He'll be joining uh, Jovino and uh, Lavezzi. Are they at that team? Yeah, they are. Are Hebe, Hebe. Hebe trying a fortune. We go to make a fortune. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Trevino and Lavezzi shiny, in the same happy, team. Heavy Lavezzi people. Has, done, has done really well actually <laughs> after a bad start. Lavezzi has done really well in China. Yeah, pity oh, they fortunate. All right, save the rest for our Chinese spin-off pod. Uh, here's a question from Tom Byfield on a scale of one to ten. Just how dreadful is that? Leeds Crest one on Tom's scale is slightly counterintuitively Juve's J Crest and ten being Cardiff City's red shirt, so the lower number. That, but anyway, you get what he means. It's uh, it's extraordinary, I would say. <laughs> Somebody did mention it to me in the course, you know, apropos of nothing. Oh, did you see the Leeds crest? And I thought, that's quite niche. And then they showed <laughs> it to me, and I realised why they'd brought it up. What's so yeah. niche about it is it's someone who is then hiding a crest. That's true. On the crest, so it's like... But I think the gesture is the crest, and I think that's what's left most people distressed, because the gesture does seem to be very much... I mean, anyone who's spent time in Rome recognises it very much as a kind of yeah, proto-fascist strength and honour. But that is a lead salute. The You you bash your chest three times and say, Leeds is Leeds. So, mm. uh, and, you know, if you see someone who's a Leeds fan, you do it, and it's a sign of recognition. It's, I don't okay. think it hasn't got... Obviously, any kind of salute has fascist connotations, but right. I think the problem here was when they actually did the consultancy with these 10,000 fans or whatever, they didn't ask them, what would you like to see on a badge? They right. said, what do you as Leeds fans most associate or feel is iconic about this club? And a lot of them put the the, the salute. In in that case, we're quite lucky that they came with a salute. Could, could, have, could have put all sorts of things on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, do you think they'll actually stay with it? or has No, they... they've said that they've taken into account the, the reaction on social media. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, they will review it. Okay, so it's a pretty dreadful badge. Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, the, I don't. What I when Juventus changed their badge, yeah. their, their kind of rationale was that they wanted to transcend kind of having just a football badge in the same way that you have. I don't know, like people wear Yankees hats even mm-hmm. though they're not Yankees fans because they just like the emblem. And that J for Juventus, it works in that kind of way, I suppose. And now, after a year of it, I, I think it's actually really good. But that leads badge. I mean, you. <laughs> You would never go around thinking this is some kind of fashion statement I'm wearing, you know. Listeners, do you like shaving and looking smooth and clean? Yes! But do you enjoy having to go to the shops for new razors and other shaving supplies? No! Well, Cornerstone gives you everything you need for a great shave and they'll deliver it all right to your door. Cornerstone's super sharp, award-winning blades are engineered in Germany, which is always a good sign, and their range of balms, creams and exfoliators are all environmentally friendly, alcohol-free and suitable for the most sensitive skin. Get £10 off your first order and check out the range for yourself at cornerstone.co.uk slash totally and find out why tens of thousands of men have switched over to Cornerstone. International news. I'm sure people have been asking us about this. Michael O'Neill has turned down the Scotland job. They're still without a manager, Scotland. He's going to stay at Northern Ireland instead. Martin O'Neill has signed a new long-term contract along with Roy Keane to stay at Ireland, which means that Keane will be taking on his uh, former teammate Ryan Giggs when Ireland meet Wales in League B Group 4 of the Nations League. Uh, Other teams in there are Denmark... Well, no, uh, are among... Oh, yeah, so that's it. So it's just basically... Uh, I'm confused already. <laughs> Michael Cox. Michael Cox, for the fifth time this week, yep. can you explain what on earth's going on? Yeah, with the groups of three at the top, and you'll play every team twice. Uh, over so this is days. really happening. This is really happening. And there'll be promotion from those three team groups, from B and C and D. And then at the top, if you win your group as one of the 
uh, League A teams, then you'll go into a semi-final and final at the end of next season, uh, the start of June. And then whoever wins the final will be crowned the yeah. UEFA Nations League winner. The UEFA Final Four. Wow. That's what it's called. Well, um, you're not the only one who's excited by this. Uh, here's a tweet. UEFA Nations League using existing international dates to play competitive games instead of friendlies with promotion relegation. A good idea. Oh, no, that's from you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So, way, uh, no, Ireland are in with Wales in League B Group 4, so they would get promoted to... To, to League A, then, would yes, they? Yes, if, yeah. if they win, yeah. If they win. So they're in there. A Northern Ireland are in with Bosnia-Herzegovina and Austria, who may or may not feature Ashley Barnes. <laughs> I remain bewildered. Um, not quite as bewildered, thanks to your efforts, but I'm still... I guess it's a bit like when someone's trying to teach you a card game. You just have to play a few rounds just to get Yeah, exactly. I agree. Right. The feeding into Euro qualification does make it a little bit complex. Right. But I think the problem there is that you've got to get the 24 teams in mm. you know however you do it I thought the qualifying for last year was, was, a, was a bit rubbish really yeah. mm, fair enough anyway England have Croatia and Spain they're already in League A France are in a League A group uh, Scotland did I mention they're in League C poor things with Albania and Israel France are with Holland and Germany that's big Italy have qualified for this, James. <laughs> They're in with Poland and Portugal. That's a group of death right can, there. Yeah. Can easily go down to League B, though. Well, I think that's quite the. I think that could be more exciting than who yeah. wins it. Going down to League B will be oh, quite yeah. a um, humiliation. Yeah, humiliation. So that's the key thing. It's, it's relegation, international relegation. That's yeah, exciting. promotion and relegation. I think is because quite you cool. said Scotland poor thing. They're in League C. They yes. can easily win that group against Israel and Albania. Finish top. Yeah, and then. They might play, I don't know, Greece. Have you seen Scotland? Bulgaria, but, you know. And so, I'm joking. And then course. being able to be promoted to League B, and suddenly League B you have better games and, yeah. you know, better I, opposition. I get it, promotion, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that sounded like a voiceover for, like, Scottish tourists. <laughs> have you seen Scotland? <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's move back on to the FA Cup after this. Gentlemen, are you feeling a bit crap? Well, you're not alone. Everyone does at some point, but the thing people don't realise is just how common it is in chaps like you and me. Last year, 76% of all the suicides in Britain were male. That's 4,287 men, a figure not much smaller than the average League 2 attendance last season. On average, 12 men take their own life every single day, meaning that the leading cause of death for men under 45 in the UK is suicide. Scary, huh? But that's part of the problem there's still a strong social stigma around depression and suicide and this can often stop men from opening up and seeking help when they need it. That's why we at the Totally Football Shows are working with Calm. They're the Campaign Against Living Miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide in the UK. Every day from 5pm till midnight they provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. They've also got a website and a free magazine packed with the kind of information you need if you or any of your mates are having a rough time, as well as some cracking stuff on comedy, bands, film and, of course, football too. So if you are feeling crap, find Calm at thecalmzone.net for support and some straight-up manspiration. FA Cup fourth round. Now, we've mentioned some fixtures, but I bet there's loads of other ones that you guys are excited about that you want to... Talk about now, perhaps? Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's one all Premier League one between Southampton and Watford, which That's is so true. Oh, come on, let's go into Jan Killing stuff. Not no, allowed no, no, Premier League stuff. We can have your turn in a second, Julianne. Hold your horses. 
Let's discuss what will be the first game in charge for Saints' new boss. Uh, sorry, for Watford's new boss, Javi Gracia. Yeah, I think Saints, and we've been anticipating so long that they would be the, the team to to make that change. But, yeah. uh, no, well, could, could Watford's old boss be the Saints' new boss after this game if Mauricio Pellegrino yeah. uh, loses loses this one? Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's a question. There's also... Uh, also, the game at Watford was really exciting, wasn't it? 2-2. Yeah, recently, and uh, lots of handballs that weren't given. And stuff. last minute goals from yeah. Ducouré. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Southampton making some moves in the transfer window at the moment. Are they about to sign a player from Monaco for oh, about yeah. twenty-two million euro? Who's that then? Yeah, Guido Carrillo. Oh right, okay. Yeah, a good ripoff. I'm sorry. A good ripoff. <laughs> a good ripoff. Yeah, Monaco bestsellers in the world, managing to get twenty-two million euros for Guido Carrillo is pretty spectacular. Is that is that really good? Is it? He's not very good. Yeah, and but so the, that's yeah, really the good, money is good. amazing. I mean, it's not that he's not Sorry very good. Saints fans, yeah, and um, it's just that he is just hasn't worked out for him. And Monaco, he's only scored, I think, five goals the first season. Uh-huh. Eight the last one, he's on eight now. Uh, but he used to work with Pellegrino back in Argentina in Estudiantes, so they oh. know each other really well. And he's a fighter. He's very good in the air. That's his main asset. Is the strength he has in his air, probably in the air, probably the best header of the ball in, in French football. Oh. But twenty-two million is a lot of money. Well, not these days. It's not just. It is. Yeah. But it shows that they're backing the manager because, as you say, he's worked under Pellegrino True. before. You wouldn't necessarily True, spend right? that kind of money if you think that guy's not going to be around. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. yeah. And he could potentially score goals if you put crosses in the box. Because if right. you don't, it feels like Monaco are in the situation that Porto were a few years ago, where they've produced so many good players last few years that people just instinctively say hey let's go to Monaco for their next Very good player mm. and you just get loads of money for kind of they're like players. waitros or something like that yeah because waitros they do some really bad stuff for example their pistachio nuts are dreadful Is and that yeah, right? they're, 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 they're really expensive as well don't go near them really yeah <clears throat> I love okay. waitros and Slimani could yep. replace Carrillo at Monaco really because I've heard him link with um, Newcastle I think yeah, but but Monaco you think Monaco is right. more likely? Yeah, I think they All might right. try. Okay, but anyway, Jules, you're keen to talk about giant killing. How yes. about Friday night's clash at Hewish Park as Yeovil? I know Yeovil, who are only two points off the relegation zone at the foot of League Two, basically teetering on the brink of non-league football, take on one Most, of the biggest clubs in the world, Manchester United. Yeah, um, maybe Alexis Sanchez. Imagine his debut for United. Wow. What's the name of the stadium you say? Hewish Park. I don't yeah. even know where Yeovil Hue- is. Somerset. In Somerset. Somerset. Alexis probably never heard of, of Yeovil either. But that's, this is perfect. That's what we love about the FA Cup. Mm. And you know what? They're going to play really deep. They're gonna, the, you can imagine the pitch maybe not being the greatest. Let's hope it rains as well, a bit of wind. And suddenly you make it really hard for them. And that's what's good about it. Excellent, Jules. Yeah. So <laughs> I can't night. wait for the defeat of United at Yeovil, the defeat of Leicester at Peterborough, the defeat of Brighton at Middlesbrough, what about defeat Spurs of Swansea, at Newport? Spurs at Newport, and West Ham at Wigan, and City at Cardiff, and then boom. Uh, I think uh, Newport. Uh, sorry, go on. Oh no, Peterborough against Leicester. Is good. Okay, we... Peterborough Leicester. That's yeah. where we're going next. Uh, Peterborough so... have that amazing players, isn't it? That Jack Marriott. Yeah, Maya. Jack Marriott yeah. is on What's fire. That? Yeah, is he is, right? Is Top he? scorer in League One. Yeah, he's been linked with. Palace and literally every shot is a goal pretty much really yeah it's awesome because Leicester have a bit of form Claude Puel with the FA Cup he took Southampton to he rotates a lot in the that's what that was the League Cup sorry League Cup against Fleetwood for example hot in the (laughs) FA Cup has he oh yeah his name is on the cup well uh, (laughs) you know you were talking about odds I believe that outside of the you know City and United Chelsea Liverpool Spurs are the big clubs Pop Marshall not in it anymore. That Leicester are the kind of the bookies' favourite outsider for this. Yeah, so, yeah. 
Uh, although they they did need a replay and a little bit of VAR love to get past Fleetwood in the last round. So yeah. you maybe you're right, Jules. Maybe yeah, it, it rotates a lot. Would, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I keep trying to talk about uh, Newport County taking on Spurs. And Newport, also known as the Exiles and the Ironsides. Did you know that? Not the Ironsides, but that's a good... That's the, I mean, if that's right. Producer Ben came up with that. Oh. They beat Leeds in the where previous they, round. Where yeah. are they exiled from? I don't know. Again, Producer Ben came up with that. <laughs> They're unbeaten in six in League and Cup. These are all Producer Ben's FA Cup notes, actually. What do you think? Newport, was that one of your jewels? Yeah, one I'm the... cheering for... I mean, you know, okay. Mrs L being Welsh, we all always for the Welsh. Peterborough taking on Leicester, who's done that. Hull Forest, have we done that? Forest, who beat Arsenal, now managed by Ito Karanka, beat Wolves at the weekend. Hull have only won one match in eight matches. That was the previous round against Blackburn. It was a 1-0 win. That's the only goal they've scored this year. They're fourth bottom in the championship. Well, they got rid of Slutsky, remember? Oh, yeah, that's true. And brought in Nigel Atkins, yes. um, who'd got Southampton promoted. And then, you know, Southampton clearly got it wrong by sacking him to a point. That guy, what's his name? Pochettino. Uh, uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, Hull, genuine risk of, of, of double relegations if they're not careful. Mm. Um, I think that one of the big problems Slutsky found was, um, you know, not really doing a lot in the transfer market. Because um, you know when they went down before, they were they managed to keep the squad mm. uh, that they had in the Premier League together. That hasn't happened this time around, and they're really struggling. Okay, Wigan are taking on West Ham. Yeah, West yeah. Ham about yeah. to sign Jao Mario from yeah you know, from Inter. Yeah. Good signing, do you think? Mm. Well, look, it has potential. West has Ham potential. have got to hope that Inter are making the same mistake here ah, as they did Coutinho. with Roberto Carlos and Coutinho. That's so true. Because he's got a lot of pedigree, Joe Mario. Yeah, you know, he was potential. he was part of the Portugal team that uh, Michael's having a chuckle. I have to warn went you. Went to the under twenty one Euros, right. lost in the final. Uh-huh. Obviously, he was part of the team that won the Euros yes. at senior level. Can't right. remember that. But he's he's one of those really strange players that Portugal seems to be creating a lot at the moment, mm. which are guys who are essentially number tens but love to play out wide. Um, so Bernardo Silva fits in that kind of thing problem for him at Intel is that out wide they play Perisic and they play Candreva mm. um, but even then yeah, he, couldn't, he could never find a position in the team but that's not to say he's not a good player as I said he's got pedigree he's, still, he's only 25 yeah a little touch that Moyes fairy dust exactly. what were you going to say Michael? why were you laughing? No, I was just love it because it's a little bit hard. I mean, Roberto Carlos and Coutinho were like 20 years apart nearly, or the best part of it. So I think it's a little bit harsh to frame them as kind of serial offenders and let the players go. <laughs> no, but it's it's funny how two of the worst bits of business ever done by a club, certainly in Italy, would be would be there. Uh, you've also got, I suppose, letting Pirlo go on a free to Milan. That yeah. would be yeah. up there. No, that wasn't a free, was it? No, it was, was, it was, was part of a million or something. Yeah. Like creative yeah. accounting was going on. Yeah. No, just the thing I was going to say, it's funny with that Portuguese thing, because, of course, they used to, you know, well, they still do produce no forwards, but loads of wingers. Yeah. Mm. But now the wingers play out front, so the central midfielders have to play out wide. Yeah. It's just a knock-on effect that's going to go through the team and produce very weird football teams. But, I mean, Moyes is playing, what, 3 4 2 one so, again, yeah. I don't really see a position for him there unless he's a place where... I mean, he loves to play on the left and come in on the right. That's Lanzini's position. So, yeah. I, I, it's it's an interesting one. Inter basically spent so much money on him, £35 million, mm. and they're just delighted to get it back. Um, so If they get it back. Yeah, I mean, it's a loan with a... I think... I don't know whether they've got an obligation to buy, but mm. it's €35 million. Euro, so. Has it been confirmed yet, or is it still kind of being worked on? It's still being worked on, but they're confident that it's going to happen. OK. Uh, West Ham, as we mentioned, are going to be at Wigan this weekend. Wigan, of course, feature 
Will Grigg is on yeah. fire. 12 goals? Yeah. And West Ham were without both Arnautovic and Lanzini. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. goals, so, yeah. Right, so, and Lanzini, he was at hamstring. Arnautovic, okay. though, is, is he definitely out for this weekend? I, I believe he is, okay. but I'm not sure what with. Right, I think Burrow, only, hmm. haven't only City and United won more league games than Wigan this season in all of the... Is that right? I think so, yeah. They're five points clear at the top of League One, so, so you might well yeah, be well, correct yeah. in that. Although, of course, they won the FA Cup not so long ago. Mm. With Roberto. Crazy days those were. Um, Borough are taking on Brighton. Brighton have one win in 14. <clears throat> they failed to score in their last 10. They may give a start to the £14 million pound signing of Jürgen Lokadia, or is it Lokadia? Lokadia. Lokadia, former Dutch under-21 striker. Chelsea taking on Newcastle Jules. Yes, I mean, Chelsea's form, apart from the game at Brighton, yep. it's been pretty dire this, this calendar year since the turn of the year. So. It's been pretty good whenever they've hosted Newcastle. Though, yes, late. that's true. <laughs> Yeah, and this is quite interesting because what they've been doing in their transfer window, you know, Kennedy is just going to Newcastle, yeah. which means Emerson Palmieri will come from Roma. Yeah, and how do you rate that as a as, as an addition to their squad, um, Emerson Palmieri? Emerson, he was one of the most uh, improved players in Serie A last year. Um, one of the best left-backs. I mean, to get him for £20 million, mm. um, That's his share of the 44 for him and Dzeko, is it? Yes, and uh, I think that's quite cheap. And I, I think one of the reasons why it is is because he did his ACL on the last game of last season, which oh. a lot of people forgot about because it was Totti's final game. Ah. And uh, that was um, doubly emotional for him um, because he'd also just received his first call-up to the Italy squad. Right. Um, because Italy was so impressed by him, they were like, here, have a passport, we want you to play for us. Um, so I think that's a, that's a sign of how highly he was regarded. It's a heartwarming story, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's hardly um, played this year, though. <laughs> yeah, because Kolarov has been an absolute revelation and this guy's coming back from an ACL. So I think if Kolarov hadn't been as good as he has been... Mm. They would they would think twice about selling him well, because he's bit, been very good. I bet Chelsea are glad that Colorado's not coming to Stamford Bridge. Remember what, what happened last oh, time? Yeah. Right? Anyway, um, he did really well in the Champions League. Of course, if he was coming to join them, that would be different. Mm. That's why they're signing Jekko. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> um, Mark McBride asks, has there ever been a pair of twins eliminated from the FA Cup in consecutive ties by the same club? Because this could happen to Josh and Jacob Murphy. Against Chelsea, they are twins. Did One we, plays for Norwich. Yeah. Oh yeah, and uh, and uh, the other plays for Newcastle. Did we not do this last week? Yeah, Ben chopped it out, but now oh, he wants us to do it again, so he can chop it out again. Sorry. So you you have the answer. Mm. You know the answer. Do you know the answer? What is the answer? Well, I don't think there is an answer. Is uh, there an answer? No one, no one has done it before, no. Well, we didn't have an answer. We just mentioned. <laughs> this is one of the things where people like. You say, do you want any, uh, have you got any questions? Yeah. But people just got really good facts, but they have to phrase it as a question. Yes. And then we have to say, what's the answer? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yes, Mark McBride, probably not. Good. On the Julesometer of likeliness of an upset win, where does that one stand? 10%. Really? Yeah, I can't see them. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, speaking of likelihoods and probabilities, having chatted about all the football, let's get Paddy Power's odds with Ian McIntosh. Thanks, James. Uh, I'm here with Mr. Paddy Power uh, for our FA Cup sets. Paddy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you getting on? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Got some great fixtures here. Uh, first up, Cardiff City against Manchester City. Um, City were really put to the test in midweek and Cardiff have only conceded one in their last four. Is there something on here? There might be a chance. You know what? I mean, because we know the City are not, not unbeatable. So they obviously... Uh, 
got stuffed by Liverpool. And like you said, they, they kind of struggled midweek, but they've been struggling through that cup the whole way, haven't they? It's like they, they take their foot off the gas for it. But Cardiff are 9-1 to one at home, which is very, very similar odds as uh, Bristol City were against Man City. And it didn't work out for them. But uh, City are 1-4, to four, and the draw is 9-2 to there. So if you're looking for an upset, like a proper, like a draw would be an upset, but a Cardiff win would be a proper upset. That's a nine to one shot, and it could happen. And I mean, if you asked me this two weeks ago, I'd be going like, "Shit, no chance that happening." City are just going to win all before them, and they probably will go and win the cup. They probably win the quadruple at that. But uh, but if they've just shown a little bit of uh, fallibility, I guess. Man United are going to need to show a lot of fallibility if they're going to slip up at Yeovil. What a place for Sanchez to start his United career. Yeah, he's going to love that, isn't he? I mean, some of the big players have started some inauspicious places. But yeah, so uh, they're 18 to 1 anyway, Yeovil, for a massive, massive upset. This would be like one of those kind of Leicester win in the league type upsets, I think. United are 1 to 8. But it's, it, can you just imagine being a Yeovil fan, seeing United come down there? And imagine even nil all after, you know, 50 or 60 minutes. If you kind of go, geez, we have a chance here, lads. It'd be just amazing, wouldn't it? I'll tell you and, what, they, uh, they've had some drama there. They've had a rogue drone. They've had a player push the referee over and get banned. So it wouldn't be out of place there. But 18 to 1. All right. Yeah, let's, 18 to 1. <laughs> let's sticky, sticky quid. <laughs> all right, one team I can see getting brought down to earth. West Ham, they'd spent two games and extra time trying to get past Shrewsbury. And now they've got Wigan, who have been just ahead of Shrewsbury for the last couple of months in League One. Uh, there's an upset there, isn't there? The thing is, I don't even know if it would be considered an upset. Because, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, if you look at the betting on the game, uh, it's like Wigan are 6-4, to four, West Ham are 9-4, to four, and the draw or 9-5 to five, rather, and the draw is 9-4. to four. So it means there's kind of nothing between them, you know, really. So you could kind of call it a wet, call it an upset if, if uh, like, Wigan are favourites for the game, put it that way, do you know what I mean? So it's not going to be, uh, it's not really an upset either way. I think, it's, I think a draw is probably the most likely outcome after 90 minutes, probably. OK, well, the biggest upset, surely, would be Newport against... Tottenham what what can we get just for Newport taking the lead against Tottenham yeah I think and, and funny enough they're actually they're a shorter price than Yeovil are against you know, they're 17 to 1 to win the match but just to take the lead against Tottenham which is what we'd all want to see to make a game of it but uh, they're 4 to 1 to take the lead at any stage but you know it might give you a shout for the first 15 or 20 minutes of the game or something like that to see but uh, but yeah that that would be enough but it's no like it's no good taking the lead and then get beaten 6-1 is it so they have to go and finish the job I think as ever, you can find out all those odds and uh, many more at paddypower.com. It is 18 plus only and begambleaware.org. Also, when the fun stops, stop. And that's where we come to the end of today's Totally Football Show. Many thanks to Julian Laurent Thank for being with much. us today. James Horncastle, off to do some moving in York, somewhere in the countryside. In the countryside, yes. All right. And Michael Cox, moving and shaking and mixing. As well, very nice with yeah, your thanks. with your book, The Mixer, yeah, paperback of which <laughs> yeah. that's the worst. That's the worst goodbye. Good. Good. Yeah. Anyway, Totally Football Show returns on Monday. All things being equal, uh, if you're hungry for more football chat, remember there's the Football League Show and Golazzo also available. Or if you just want to hear about movies, you could always listen to Truth and Movies. You know. Anyway, uh, that is it for this edition of the show. Have a great weekend. Catch you Monday. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com.